crayweed is this beautiful seaweed that used to be everywhere around in Sydney, but it disappeared in the 80s because of pollution. By bringing the crayweed in, what we're doing is enhancing the biodiversity and re-establishing an ecosystem that used to be here. When you're a part of it, it kind of it ties you to the place in a deeper way. It kind of increases your sense of, of stewardship. In the weeds. On the water, about a stone's throw from the gorgeous shoreline at Coogee, and I'm sitting here with my buddy and colleague and ocean ambassador, Artie Little. We are on the water, and we are on the water with operational crayweed. Cray <laughs> Adriana, Ziggy, and Beth, and Tess, the beautiful sunshine that we've got at the moment on the boat. We're here in Coogee, also known as Coogee, Coogee meaning smelly seaweed or dry seaweed. Um, in Bidjigal, Darawal, Gadigal, traditional tongue. So, yeah, we're re really happy to be here with the crew. The crew just been down underwater, um, drilling in some, some mats for the crayweed to live and regenerate the forest under the water. And we're going to hear more from the team, aren't we, Brendo? Mate, uh, we came over the hill here. We parked our van on the top and we saw a big whale tail come up and splash down. And it was such a beautiful way to kind of enter this zone these guys are still a bit dizzy. They've just got on the on the boat after spending an hour down under the water with their scuba tanks. Thank you so much for the work you do and the gorgeous kind of uh, invitation to come and reforest the, the bottom of the ocean here with us. Adriana, how are you going? I'm very well. It feels like quite a privilege to be, um, um, to be working underwater on a beautiful day like today, hey? Um, it's quite a nice office. I can't complain at all. Privilege is the key word, and I'm privileged to be here too to learn more, you know, from your amazing team. And as we dive down under the water and we, we share the information and the knowledge with other people, all our listeners out there that don't really know the importance of, of crayweed, Adriana and, and Ziggy and Beth. And we really want to have a yarn and, and talk about the importance, the value that crayweed plays in the water. Yeah, sure. Um, so crayweed is this beautiful seaweed that used to be everywhere around in Sydney, but it disappeared in the 80s because of pollution. And um, and actually Coogee is, is, is the one place in, in the Sydney coastline where at the north end there's still a stormwater drain that is a little bit problematic. But elsewhere, the water quality now in Sydney is amazing, which is why now we can bring crayweed back and re-establish it where, where it used to thrive, only you know, 40, 50 years ago. So we're sitting here for episode two of In the Weeds. This is our audio journaling that will go all the way through the next 12 months of catching up with you guys in different parts of Sydney as we raise money and reforest those different sites. There's 23 sites that we're ambitiously going to raise $100 million. More importantly, we're going to redirect people's time to come and spend time down here. I, I grew up surfing as a professional bodyboarder and I go to the beach every day with my kids, but just coming down here today, it re-enthuses you to actually realize how important this space is. So there's rock beds directly below me. Let's get this clear. And they're completely bare. Um, Adriana suspects that it's because of that, that washout of sewerage in the 80s. And then there are these mats that have just been drilled. I was down there looking at these guys drilling these mats, which are becoming a home for these crayweed that they're transporting from flourishing uh, crayweed forests 
And just adjacent to those mats, I noticed there was a lot of cat cray weed. Have you guys planted that cray weed? Is that what it is? Or so that one actually is kelp. So it's the golden kelp. It's another ah, seaweed. Yeah. Okay, I'm mistaken. I noticed it didn't have the vesicles on it. Correct. I, I was looking for the vesicles. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ah, so that's the kelp. Okay. What a beautiful time it is down here. So let's just tread back a little bit. We've dove right into the technical aspects, but at this podcast, in this movement of Operation Crayweed, we're ambitiously going to reforest 23 sites, which is a roughly 70 kilometers of coastline. And if we break it down, it's roughly $25 a plant. Uh, and if we go out and raise a million dollars, that'll help us pay for the boats and people to get those 2,000-odd plants across 23 sites each, and uh, we'll be able to put this piece together. But the biggest thing that we're interested in is actually not the money. It's about, as we cast our eyes up into the buildings there, we lost connection a little bit. And that's really where it where it went wrong and our mission here me and Artie are going to go bring people down to the beach and and hopefully reinvigorate that connection which is the main thing eh? exactly right Brennan we want to bring the people back to nature and connect them to the water understanding what's going on in the water a lot of people be walking along the beach here today and wouldn't know the significance of that the crayweed plays in the water you know, I myself, I'm not, I don't know a lot about the crayweed, which is why we're here too. I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about the underneath the water, the sea life. But what we will learn here today from Ziggy and, and Adriana and, and, the, and the girls, Tess and Beth, is, is more knowledge to share. And that we know that the more we know is the more we care about things. So Ziggy, uh, we know a little bit of Adriana's path. She's She's kind of been on phone calls and, and Zoom calls with us, but uh, tell us a bit about yourself. What, what brought you here today, Ziggy? What, who are you and what, what, why are you diving and planting seaweed underneath the ocean? Good question. So I'm originally from Argentina, but I came over to Australia 17 years ago to actually do my PhD in marine ecology, to study the marine environment here. And I've been here since because I fell in love with this place and I really like working here. So I've been doing underwater research in this part of the world for 17 years now, mainly focused on kelp forests, on seaweed forests. And then for the last over a decade, I think with Adriana, we started with this Operation Crayweed and some other colleagues as well that actually noticed that this species, this, this key habitat disappeared from Sydney. And that's when we started trialing to see whether indeed we could bring it back. So Adriana and Ziggy and Beth and Tess, what, why... Why crayweed? So it just seems like such a particular choice. I, I'm fascinated with some of the science that's come out. I've gone across some of the, the stuff on your website, and you say that it's almost seven times more likely to uh, breed a habitat for abalone yeah. as opposed to other weeds on the ground. Is that correct? Yeah, and lobsters. That's where it gets its name from. So crayweed, um, it's, you know, like anybody that, that goes fishing for crayfish or lobster will know that that's where you find it so the there's an association it is like the crays use it as habitat essentially so crayweed is it they're just like underwater trees basically they play the same kind of role in the ecosystem they, they provide a habitat a shelter a home for crayfish for abalone and for thousands of little epifauna we call them which is tiny tiny creatures they're microscopic you can't see them with the naked eye but if you if you if you look under a microscope you can see there's like hundreds in each individual and those 
epifauna, these little creatures that live in the crayweed are different to the ones that live in the golden kelp, which is why we want to bring it back. So even though we have lots of kelp here, by bringing the crayweed in, what we're doing is enhancing the biodiversity and re-establishing an ecosystem that used to be here. Amazing. I'm fascinated. Epifauna. Okay. So I'm, I'm just taking a zoom out lens. Sometimes my daughter and I lay on the trampoline at night and look up into the stars. Maybe if we're up there amongst the stars and looking down, maybe humans would be epifauna. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's, let's dive through and see whether we can find some ways to regenerate this epifauna. Not only the ones we see with our eyes. And uh, I, I was interested also, you mentioned spirituality really quickly on a call the other day. You said, uh, I said, oh, you know, what are we doing? We, uh, is it carbon sequestration? Is it, is it biodiversity? And, and you, you said, well, it's just everything. It's also spirituality. <laughs> Tell me what that means in, in your perspective. I'm really interested. For me, the, the, when we rewild our ecosystems, it's, it's, a lot of people are starting to put a dollar value onto things and go, okay, well, if we plant so much crayweed, how much carbon is going to be captured of that? How much is going to be sequestered? And, and is there a market for that? And the truth is that there, there are some growing markets and there, there is, you know, this kind of um, economics of nature, if you like, is, is something that is, is important and growing in, in, in interest. But it's, it is more than that. It's also about just reestablishing the, the natural environment that belongs here just as we do. And we are used to looking at nature in a way of how, how does it benefit us? Um, but it's, it's not just that, right? Like nature, nature has an inherent kind of uh, right to just exist just like we do. Um, but even in terms of like, yes, like people during COVID, for example, started swimming, ocean swimming. They started looking at their natural environment in a way that maybe they hadn't for a while and realized just how, how important it is for their own well-being. So even if you were just selfishly thinking about that connection, it is that spiritual connection with nature that we also get so much from, right? And by restoring these ecosystems, we, we're, we're restoring that, that connection with nature. Beautiful. And uh, the, I can't get away from that word epifauna i'm 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 fascinated arthur matt you're a knowledge holder you're a traditional guy of this land and and the lands across the bottom of new south wales now i want to know from your perspective you're right into relational patterns and some of those traditional patterns that actually threaded all the way through to now what does it mean for you to sit here and acknowledge some of the epifauna that these guys have been drilling down for coming from your perspective thinking about our totems you know in the water you know where we think about the guru like the, the whale and you know the the lobster you're talking about um all the other animals that that play a significant part in our in our marine life and we don't often think as humans you know we think about we talk about the abalone before we talk about the the lobsters and and we don't really care too much until they start to go missing but we don't understand that the cray crayweed is what's keeping those guys alive, you know, like, and it's the same as anything that sort of as humans, when we think of things that start to become extinct, we don't actually look at the the root of the cause. And I, I love what you guys are doing is, is going straight to the root, straight to the bottom, you know, of, of the ocean. And, and that's where it starts. And that's where it's the foundation 
habitats for so many of our species that are underwater. And, and it's often talked about that um, we're exploring more on top of the water, you know, closer to the moon than we are under the water. There's so much more to learn out there in the water. And it's a question I wanted to ask you. And Ziggy Ziggy shared his, his sort of um, journey beautifully. And I wanted to ask you too, Adriana, like, what is it under the water? You know, for our listener there, what is it under the water for you guys that you love that takes you back to the water? And, you know, for some people out there that have never been under the water, what does it feel like being under there with all these species? I think it's a complete different feeling when you're underwater, that, that peacefulness. You know, the sound is different. The movement is different. Your weight is different. You know, everything is really different, right? And the type of animals and, and seaweeds and so on that are, are very, very unique and so crazy. Like, you know, cuttlefish, for example, right? Where they're planting crab, all of a sudden you get this big cuttlefish next to you changing colors, you know. Uh, th that's fascinating. That doesn't happen on land. You know, it's, I mean, there are some reptiles and so on that do weird things as well. But, you know, underwater is everything. It's really very different. It looks like an alien movie, really. Uh, to me, that's what catches me. Like everything, you know, you turn around, you see something completely unique. Um, so I think it's, you know, that f different feeling. I think it's, it's like being in space in a way and never been to space, but sort of like if I had to describe it just by looking at the movies and what astronauts look like, it's like space, but right here, you don't have to go on a spaceship or anything like that. It's right here. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's also um, that kind of otherness and adventure that brought me, that made me interested in the marine environment. Um, just the fact that we know so little, it, it makes it kind of, in a way, a little bit kind of that mystery. It adds a magic and a, a, it, it just an attraction that, um, yeah, really captivated me from very, very early on. And there's no words, right? There's no talking on the water. So you're just there. It's, it's kind of like this hypnotic kind of movement of the weed and the water and all these kind of really crazy, trippy creatures that you encounter. It's, a, it's quite addictive, actually. Wow. That otherness. Some people are in pursuit of that otherness and some people are, are not. Um, we're, we're, we're bringing lots of different characters to the beach over the next 12 months. Once a month on a Friday, we're going to try to do an hour uh, of some science and some ceremony and, and maybe a bit of swimming. I wonder how we can explain and engage all sorts of characters, maybe not the ones that are looking for the otherness, you know. Maybe maybe some other characters that may not have ever been in the ocean before. Or reaching out to the, the other others who haven't been to the water, you know, or the other others that are under the water, the unlikely connections is where it works and we're, we're calling out to all those listeners that haven't really spent some time in the water that we really want to take the time to connect people back to nature and that's what this is all about. You heard Adriana talk about, you know, when COVID came about, we all wanted to get out and we actually understood the value of nature of, and how important it is for your mental health and, you know, to just be in the water or just go out and see the sun and get some fresh air and be in relation with each other, but be in relation with nature as well. And that's where the magic happens. And that's what we're trying to do here is bring people back away from the screen and bring everyone back to nature because that's where it all began. Beauty, Artie. So this kind of episode two of In the Weeds, this brings us to another little cross section of our journey. And it's such a beautiful episode to be able to sit with you guys. And uh, just to kind of round out, I want to also just give the mic to Bethan. Bethan is a fascinating research assistant 
who's done some work with our wonderful little starfish friends, the Crown of Thorns species up in Townsville, and discovered their adaptation across the Great Barrier Reef and, and unfortunately, their, their dislike for the warmer waters. Uh, yeah, so um, I did my PhD, uh, like I said, uh, up in Townsville, and um, so I was looking at the effect of climate change on them. So actually, uh, cranothorns are a um, species that are a big threat to the Great Barrier Reef, actually one of the greatest threats, and that's because they uh, feed on coral and there are huge outbreaks of the starfish at the moment. Um, so I basically just wanted to see um, how much of a threat they'll be to the reef in the future. And um, yeah, so that it doesn't seem that they like warmer water, but the coral also doesn't like warmer water. But, you know, everyone uh, all knows about uh, the effect of climate change on coral reefs. Um, but yeah, um, not much is known about uh, temperate habitats. So I decided to uh, come here and, you know, it's a bit of a change from uh, the warmer waters of Townsville. But um, I've been here for just over a month now and I'm learning a lot about uh, temperate ecosystems and, and crayweeds. So it's really interesting kind of learning about the threats that are posed to uh, this habitat. Amazing, Bethan. And, and yeah. it's great to meet you. You just come up from an hour down under and you're kind enough to grab the microphone and and I try to describe within one minute what is a complex three-year PhD process. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much also, Tessa. Let's hand the mic to Tessa and just say good day to her. I'll throw my mic up to her. And uh, Tessa's been driving us around, uh, making sure that she stays proximal to the gang underwater. She's making sure that our podcast equipment doesn't get wet because we're literally about centimetres away from the water uh, with all these cords going everywhere, and it's been a cool experience. Thank you, Tessa. And tell us a bit about your marine uh, scientist uh, kind of journey. Um, sure. Hi. <laughs> um, uh, I guess, yeah, so I grew up um, down on the coast in Victoria, and it was, you know, on my doorstep. Um, we always appreciated what we had there, and it was a natural sort of progression for me to study marine science. I loved animals, and I loved the water. So I went down to Tassie and um, did my undergraduate in Tassie, um, I then was introduced to the tropics where I fell in love with the tropics and so I moved overseas and travelled around um, in the Pacific and then stayed in the Maldives for five years where I was working on coral restoration work and sea turtle conservation as well. Um, and then I came back and I wanted to keep studying so I came back to Australia and um, studied at the University of Newcastle where I was studying coral health, um, Lord Howe Island and Hawaii. Um, and yeah, I, I love living in Australia, so I decided to stay back and move back here permanently. And now I've joined the team, Operation Crayweed, and we're trying to restore reefs. It's a really um, heart, heartwarming, you know, project and um, feels really good to do something and bring something back. And, um, you know, science is super important, but also doing active restoration is um, is what we're about, you know, and what why you become a marine scientist, right? It's a balance, isn't it? I yeah. mean, we can kind of crunch the data and look at the problems, but it's sometimes actually getting in and, and making a physical change is also really necessary. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to round out this podcast, Artie Little. This has been an exceptional experience. I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. We're, we're sitting on the boat about 100 metres from shore and um, – beautiful sunny day with these four scientists that are devoting their lives to reforest the coastline of Sydney. And I just want to 
really quickly whip around, maybe starting with you, Artie. Let's go away, right away from the actual thing we're doing now. What are you most excited about in life right now? And we'll, we'll go that question all the way around. Yeah, right now I'm excited that we're out here on the water. We're, we're seeing the guys do the practical work, as you just mentioned, and sharing story. It's it's amazing for, you know, Ziggy to share his journey from all the way from Argentina. Adriana's here and, like, you know, listen to Beth and Tess and actually doing the work. They've studied the work, but it, to be here practically with them and, you know, swim over the guys while they're underwater and see them drilling in these mats and, you know, the Craig Week begins and that's where the life starts to form for, for all our sea life and we, we know we can – so that when we walk away from Coogee, we know that it's it's in a better place than when we first come here. So, you know, looking forward to seeing it in 12 months' time, um, how it looks. But just really looking forward to bringing people back to nature. And as we, we go on, Brendan, in our journey, hopefully we get up to, you know, the Palm Palm Beach. Um, we're starting at Palm Beach, it's crayweed operation, and coming all the way down to 23 projects. Is 24. it 23 sides, Sergiana? Maybe 20- 14 beaches, is that correct? 23, 23 reefs and between what span we're, we're thinking is it between here and palm beach or oh between cronulla and and palm beach beautiful uh all right ziggy what are you most excited about bud as we round out this particular episode of in the weeds i'm excited for what is coming so now we put the mats in next cray is in and hopefully in an, in the near future cray bees which then became become credit forests and ex- yeah start expanding so that, that's what i'm excited about Nice. Bring on the crabies. Uh, Bethan, Bethan, what do you think? I was going to say the same as Ziggy, but um, I'm also excited to see all the epifauna return. Epifauna! Epifauna for the future. In this area. Beautiful, Bethan. Thank you. Um, go somewhere different. I guess I'm excited about the community aspect and seeing how people engage with these new crayweed and how they experience snorkeling, swimming, um, changes with um, this new sort of habitat there for them to see. It's really yeah. interesting, Tess, because I watched that video that actually um, at Little Manly where you guys, that lady had been snorkeling there for 40 years and she recognised the dramatic change from when 2011, 12, 13, 14, you guys I think it was you guys actually reforested and she said there's new life there, new fish, new crayfish, new species. And she said it's like another different place. And that's just an anecdote for from your local resident. Yeah, that's right. That's in Shelly Beach, actually, which is an aquatic reserve where there's no fishing. So it is one of the most spectacular places to snorkel in Sydney. And you can see how, for me, what we're doing here is just giving nature a little bit of a helping hand. And then, and then nature kind of goes off and, and, and carries on by itself. So that's what excites me about this. It's not just beyond Crayweed. Hopefully, you know, these kind of projects inspire other people to do other similar things. Um, and it's, it's not that hard and we can all be a part of it, I think. Um, that's what's exciting about bringing the community in, like Tess was saying. Um, that it's, it's actually, when you're a part of it, it kind of it ties you to the place in a deeper way. It kind of increases your sense of, of stewardship, uh, which is so important. Yeah, unreal. I mean, you're, you're dangling the microphone over our prototype seaweed hoodie that we made with Damon and yourself to try to raise a bit of funds for this Operation Crayweed. And uh, anyone listening to this episode can purchase one and all the profits will go directly to Operation Crayweed to reforest these sites. But... um. We feel like some epifauna floating out to sea and uh, 
we are really pleased to just be with you guys. And Artie, you want to take us out, man? And um, I, I really appreciate your time after an hour under the ocean. Beautiful. I love you guys for sharing the knowledge with us. And um, it's important to understand that we're all custodians of this country and they're playing a big part in that today, you know, by looking after country and looking after the waterways. So thank you so much for doing that, each and every one of you guys that went under the water today. And thank you for letting us be a part of that. And we look forward to sharing the knowledge, you know, between ourselves and with everyone that comes into contact with us. So looking forward to raising the million dollars and getting communities connected, like Tess said. So thanks, guys, for listening to us. We share one body and water. We're all custodians of this green land and blue sea. One body of water. So let's start to redesign the earth. Because if we don't, humans will no longer be.